0: Um, We're so glad that you're here. We know it's a busy weekend. There's graduations and everything going on. Thank you if you're watching online. You may be traveling, vacation, a lot of people out of town. We're glad you're here. Thank you for being here. Palm Bay and the land, welcome, especially to you. We're very happy to have everybody here. And we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 30 today as we continue our study through this book of Isaiah. And this is the middle section, and it talks about some very difficult times In Israel's life and some very difficult things in our lives that we'll get to today but I want to tell you there are times when things just slap you in the face you think you think you're something you think you you've got something figured out and then some like a friend hits you with it and it and it it kind of spins your world anybody been there I mean you know I'm here every week you guys know I'm funny I mean, you're used to it, you, you know, he's gonna be funny. Um, I'm funny at home, I'm funny, you know, I'm funny in the street, funny, I'm funny in my truck when I'm by myself. Um, and I had a friend tell me a couple of weeks ago, he said, Joe, you're not funny. And it cut me. I mean, it really, it, it hurt me, it hurt me deep and because I know I'm funny and I know you know that I'm funny. And I'll, I'll tell you what happened, you know, I'm used to being out here with you. I like the live audience. Even, you know, talking to the camera, they can't talk back. They, can't, they can only boo so much on a keyboard. Um, but I was on a Zoom meeting. All right? Anybody have to do this? All right? I'm not good at it. People have to set it up for me. I've learned to operate in this environment. I don't like it, but I, I can operate in this environment. And so I am using the same material that I use here with you. I mean, brilliant stuff. I mean, I am... I'm funny. And this friend of mine finally said, Joe, listen, you are not even funny remotely. (laughs) Fortunately for you, you pay me to teach you the Bible. Okay, so. So, Isaiah 30. I entitled the message, Throwing Shade. And what the term means, if you don't know it, it's kind of a contemporary term. Ah, he's throwing shade at him. It means he's taking a dig at you. He's puncturing you somehow. He's, uh, he's putting you down, but in a subtle, weird kind of way. Sometimes you got to go to a friend and go, hey, I know this is a slam, but what does this mean? That's when somebody's throwing shade at you. It's like... Oh, that's really what he meant? He meant to say that to somebody else? Yeah, that, that, that's throwing shade. In Isaiah 30, God is throwing shade at his own people. Because his people have decided that they do not need him, they do not need his word, they do not need his spirit, and they want nothing to do with him. And God explains to them what's about to happen and the dangers that they're going to run into as individuals, as families, and as a corporate nation as a result of the choices they're making. God throws shade at them and says, let me show you where you're headed if you stay on this road. Now, the road looks very similar to the road that we're on today. And it's, where, it's one where the Word of God is very much minimalized. Now, listen to me. I do not expect my non-Christian friends to respect and revere the Bible. Some of them do, which is very interesting to me. They don't even know what's in it, but they have a respect and a reverence for it. What terrifies me is when churches have no reverence. And listen, you cannot listen to more sermons than I do on a given week. And I listen to a broad range. And I am amazed at how often the Bible's not even used... Or if it does get used, it is used in absolutely the wrong way. I mean, a third grader could sort out the exposition and say, well, that's not what that says. That's not right. And that's what's passing for preaching because people, as Peter said, are hearing what they want to hear, not what the Word of God says. So I'll say it one more time. Don't ever, ever trust a preacher. I don't care if it's me, if it's Cord, Shane, Ben, Ryan, whether it's somebody you're listening to online, you get your Bibles out and you confirm it. And if they're teaching what's not in the Bible, get out, change channels. There's good stuff to be had, but you make sure they're standing firmly on the Word of God. all All right, that's just, that was just free. Okay, let's go. Isaiah 30. All right, we're going to look at verses 1 to 11 and then 15 to 18. So if you're following along in your Bible, scroll, iPad, stand with me, please, out of respect. Um, it starts off with woe, and I always have to explain this, that we're not stopping a horse. When God, when God uses the word woe, you're in big trouble. It means, look out, danger, you are about to get it. Woe to my obstinate children. Declares the Lord. To those who carry out plans that are not mine, forming an alliance but not by my spirit, heaping sin upon sin, who go down to Egypt without consulting me. See, they're looking for connections to avoid God but still protect themselves. Who look for help for Pharaoh's protection to Egypt's shade. For refuge, But Pharaoh's protection will be to your shame. Egypt's shade will bring you disgrace. Though they have officials in zone and their envoys and arrive in Hanes, everyone will be put to shame because of a people useless to them. That would be the people of Israel, who bring neither help or advantage, but only shame and disgrace. An oracle concerning those living in the Egyptian desert, through a land of hardship and distress... Lions and lionesses of adders and darting snakes, the envoys carry their riches on donkeys' backs and their treasures on the humps of camels to that unprofitable nation, to Egypt, whose help is utterly useless. Therefore, I call her Rahab the do-nothing. Go now and write it on a tablet for them, inscribe it, on a scroll, that for the days to come it may be an everlasting witness. These are rebellious, deceitful children, children unwilling to listen to the Lord's instruction. They say to their seers, their teachers, their preachers, the prophets amongst them, the people who are giving them God's word, they say to them, see no more visions. And to the prophets, give us no more visions of what is right. We don't want to hear it. Tell us pleasant things and prophesy illusions. We'd rather be lied to. Leave this way. Get off this path and stop confronting us. Stop telling us what our sin is. Stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel. This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and in trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. You said, no, we will flee on horses. Therefore, God said, you will flee you said, we will ride on swift horses. Therefore, God said, I will give your pursuers swifter horses. A thousand will flee at the threat of one, the threat of five. You will all flee away till you are left like a flagstaff on a mountaintop, like a banner on a hill. Yet the Lord, listen to this, after all that, all the rebellion, all the hatred of God, turning from God, yet the Lord longs. ...to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. You can be seated. So it's a passage about danger. It's about facing dangers in our life. And here's here's the question, maybe the question of the day. When somebody brings you a message of confrontation... ...when somebody brings you a difficult message... Do you hate the messenger or do you heed the warning? Israel chose to hate the message. In fact, every time. There is a valley in Israel where all of the prophets are buried because Israel killed them all. Every one of the people that God raised up, Jesus was not unique in that story. As a prophet and the son of God, they killed all of them because they did not want to hear the truth. They continued to go through this cycle where, okay, we got it, we're good, things would go bad. All right, what we need now is to partner with Assyria. What we need now is to partner with Egypt. They would never turn back to God. Even after all the the miracles, they look back in their history. I'm not Jewish. I can't look back and talk about the Red Sea. I can't look back and talk about the the night of the the plague of the firstborn. I mean, I can do it historically, but these, these are their relatives. They know these stories. They know they're real. And yet, when difficult times came, rather than make an alliance with God, they turned to make an alliance with Pharaoh. Now, let me tell you about the dangers of these alliances. This is why it's because when you make an alliance with a country, you're now connected to them. That's what's so dangerous about making alliances with countries around the world. Because countries that are not thinking the way we think, they don't have our value system. They don't care about human life. They don't care about souls. You get an alliance with them. They go to war. Guess how it works? You're committed to go to war with those people. And America's gotten itself in trouble more than once because of a bad alliance. And we could talk about, well, we just will, all right? Let's talk about what's going on. I don't care if you you may disagree with me, and that's okay. Um, But the situation is playing out in the Middle East. It's amazing to me that nobody can figure this out. Uh, Maybe you've never heard this phrase before, but Israel is God's chosen people. You know why they were chosen? They were tiny, insignificant. In fact, at one point, they were nothing. They were non-existent. God picked Abraham by himself and said, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. All right? Nothing significant about them except that the Messiah would come through their line. And God said, Israel is the apple of my eye. Why is Israel a special place? Because Jesus came through that line. All right? You understand that? That's really pretty simple, isn't it? Now, if you go back in history... No country has ever ceased to exist and then come back into existence till 1948. Israel is the only nation in history. We've lost, we've lost hundreds and thousands of countries throughout history, but only one has come back into existence, and that's the nation of Israel. And it's prophesied in Isaiah 66. We'll get to that in a couple of months. But so in 1948, the entire Arab world came against Israel. The entire Arab world. Israel is about the size of Volusia County, just in case you're keeping score. And the entire Arab world lost terribly. They tried again in 67. Israel destroyed them. 73. 2014. They talked, they talked to the, the people from Gaza and they said, we don't understand. This headline in the Gaza paper, by the way. They said, we don't understand it. We shoot rockets and their God turns the rockets. Now, let me, let me tell you that, first of all, it's dangerous to be allied with those kinds of people that are trying to, to kill Israel. Genesis 12 Genesis 15 says if you bless Israel you'll be blessed if you curse Israel you'll be cursed that hasn't gone away there's your alliance right there does that make sense to everybody all right now listen here's the deal I have more Arab Palestinian friends by far than I do Israeli friends you know why there's a whole lot more of them I have a lot of friends and you know what they want? They want their families to find Jesus just like we do. All right? Yeah. that yeah. That's that's the goal. But the alliance is what you have to be careful of. I, I said this last night. You might as well get it too. All right? The, the word, the word Palestinian, words mean things. Do you guys know that? Always look up a word. All right? People think you're brilliant just because you look up a word and give them the etymology. All right? The word Palestinian, anybody know what it means? invader. I said, I don't have to make things up. I just use a dictionary. It, so every time you hear that phrase and they go, no, the Palestinians have always been in the land. Well, what do we say we just break down the word? No, Israel has been in the land for 3,000 years. So the alliance that our government makes is absolutely critical to whether this nation will be blessed or cursed. Does that make sense to you? Enough of that. Now, what about you and me? What about our alliances? Well, just because I hang out with that person or that group doesn't mean I'm like them. This is what I've said since I was about 18 years old. Not yet. Not yet. And I'm not speaking theoretically. I'm talking to a guy who's fallen more times than you can imagine. How did I get here? I just joined. I just came to do this. And two months later... I'm involved in all of this. Are you kidding me? And you wake up and you're like, how did I get here? Am I the only sinner in the room? All because of an alliance. Now, you didn't sit down and write up a plan. You didn't say, oh, yeah, I think um, I may broker a deal here. No, you just said, I'm going to hang out with these people. I'm going to, you know, that's why in 1 Corinthians 6 and 7, you look at the details about marriage. It says a Christian should marry A Christian. Maybe you need to read that section again. Because God said it's not good to be unequally yoked. Now if you're married to a non-Christian, it's very clear there too. Now your job is to win them to the Lord. But if you're looking for a spouse as a Christian, you find another Christian. And the picture is you don't hook a bull and a bulldog together in a yoke because it's going to destroy both animals and not help you very much either. You need an equal yoke to pull the wagon. That's the analogy that's there. You've got to come from the same place, and our culture is, is an example of that. So, well, but I, but I'm not a part of that. I, I, I hang out with them. Yeah, I got some business dealings with them. Listen, let me explain to you how it works. Uh, if you're sitting in the getaway car when your friends rob the bank, they're going to take you to jail, too. That's that's how it works. That's the danger of alliances. And God said, if you make an alliance that is not with me, you go somewhere else, you are in grave danger. Proverbs 27, 12. The prudent, that word means wise, see danger and take refuge. The simple, that word means stupid, keep going and suffer for it. The wise see danger and take refuge. The stupid keep right on going. You apply that as you need to apply it. You've probably never heard of Dr. George Vela. Here's his picture. Um, I, didn't, I didn't know him until last week. He's the president of a little island called Malta which is a, a very historical island. It's in Acts 28. Paul lands a, was a shipwreck there, and Paul ends up uh, preaching on that island. And to this day, that island is covered with Christians uh, because of a shipwreck 2,000 years ago. Look it up. Um, but George Vela is the president of Malta now, and they're pressuring him to sign a pro-abortion bill. And Dr. Vela said, I will resign as president and walk away before I will ever sign something that kills innocent children. There are still people with integrity. And I read the quote and all I could think about was the New York State House. Was that six months ago, a year ago? When the entire State House erupted in cheers because Babies could be killed right up to the moment and even after the baby was born. And everybody in the house and senate chamber in Albany cheered. That's a real bad alliance. You want to know? I'll tell you. That, this alliance was Satan. That's who that alliance is. Satan's always been interested in killing the innocent. Now, we're doing a, a campaign at uh, Florida State. There's, there's packets in the lobby for you to sign uh, to uh, get a pro-life amendment on the ballot. Take them to your friends. All that's out there at the desk. But I'm amazed when I hear somebody like Dr. Vela who not a world player. He's not Vladimir Putin. Nobody knows who this guy is, yet he still has the courage to say, under my watch, as long as I'm here, we're going to do the right thing. Now, you think God will bless that country? I, watch it, because I guarantee you, God, God will be doing something in the island of Malta as, as a result of the commitment that, that he made. You know, I-4, let's talk about, let's talk about this danger idea again. Oh yes. Do you know it's now it is the most dangerous road in America? <clears throat> Somebody said last night, well, give me an alternative. I, if, listen, if I had one, I'd take it. If I had a helicopter, I would take that. <clears throat> I can give you some back roads that will help, but most dangerous road in America is between Tampa and Daytona Beach. Yeah. Now, why do, why do we say that? Well, I mean, we know why. Accidents, deaths, etc. But it's a reminder. Number one, if I can stay off it, stay off it. Number two, when I'm there, I better be really careful. Because even if I'm doing everything right and everybody else is out there crazy, I could still get killed. And occasionally, I'm the one that's crazy. I mean, we have to be real, right? So you know that when you get there, so you don't drive the same on I-4 as you do when you're driving on Main Street. You have to rethink this. And God said, when it comes to your alliances, be very careful what roads you go down, because those roads and the people you hang with, that's going to determine your ultimate fate. And then the second danger that he has, and he throws some shade at him, is specifically about the Word of God. He said, you are in grave danger when you decide you no longer want to hear the Word of God. Governor Cuomo, let's go back to New York, shall we? He said, and I quote, I want all of you Christians to know that it was not faith that changed anything. It was not God that changed anything. It was not you faithful people that changed anything. It was science. Step over here. Feel a little safer not being that close to his picture. He said, they said, now remember, Isaiah's inside the temple. Isaiah's a very unusual prophet. Isaiah's not a guy out in the wilderness like John the Baptist, he's not a fringe guy. Isaiah is elite. Isaiah is in with the leaders of Israel. He's there with the king and they're coming to him day after day and they say, stop telling us about God. We don't want to hear it. Stop confronting us with our sin. We don't want to hear it. Stop seeing visions. We don't want to know what God wants us to do. We just want to be left alone. Now you think about that. Amos chapter eight, verse 11. again, they went through this many times, but this is where I think we are in our country today. Amos 8:11, God said, "I'm going to give another famine to you." You didn't, you didn't respond to the last famine, so he said, "This time it will not be a famine of food, it'll be a famine of the word of God. God's going to go silent. Between Malachi and Matthew, God goes silent for 400 years. He said, nobody wants to listen to me. Fine. God just closed it up and said, good luck. That's where we find ourselves today. You can carry your Bibles around all you want. But I'm telling you, when you go into church and the church doesn't even use the Bible and nobody's talking about the Bible and nobody's confronting you, if you leave without feeling, you know what, here's something I need to fix, change, accept, then you have not been to church. You just got your ears tickled. You just left and said, oh, that was nice. I heard exactly what I wanted to hear. And you could have heard the same thing on CNN. If you can't tell the difference in the word of God and what you're watching on TV or online, you're not hearing the word of God. And he says, he specifically says, if you mess with the word of God, he said, you will be cut off. Again, we get mocked all the time. I get used to it. actually, I kind of begin to take it as a badge of honor. Um, we've talked about the creation stuff a lot. Here's a picture of petrified petrified wood, right? Except it's not wood, it's candles. Now, I suppose candles could be around, but according to evolutionists, it takes millions of years for something to petrify. Those candles were left in a cave in 1945. They're solid rock. If you go to Mount St. Helens, there's an entire lake full of petrified wood. Does anybody remember when that volcano blew up? I was in high school. I know some of you younger folks say, well, that could be millions of years ago. But no, no. The entire lake is full of petrified logs. So perhaps it doesn't take millions of years for petrification to take place. Perhaps it just takes the right minerals and the right time and the right conditions to create. Again, evolutionists say, see, you guys are crazy. And I say, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe the word of God says exactly what it means, and means exactly what it says. First Peter four twelve. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trials that you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. Anybody going through tough times, got any battles going on in your life? Welcome to welcome to the faith. You go to other churches and they'll lie to you and they'll tell you, if you're a Christian, you won't have any trials, you won't have any problems, you'll be rich, healthy, everything will be great. That's a lie from Satan. It's a lie from Satan. Now, do I think God wants to bless us? I do. But scripture's really clear. If I'm following him, I'm going to suffer. You know why? Because Jesus did. In fact, Jesus said it this way. He said, if they hated me, god in the flesh raising people from the dead performing miracles if they hated me how do you think they're going to treat you i guess they'll give me rolls royces and new jets that's a tough uh, that's a tough line to draw don't you think paul said no you paul said i have to die daily because he said i know it's coming I know that difficulty, persecution is coming from all around me, but I know that I've already won the battle and I choose to stand in Jesus Christ. See, Paul had already figured out his allegiance. Once you figure out your allegiance, then you're good to go. I've accepted Jesus. I've repented. I've been baptized. I'm following him. The allegiance deal is now over. I'm ready to go. Ecclesiastes 12 Crazy book. We'll get into that some other time. This is the last two verses. Now that everything has been heard, here's what you need to know fear God and keep his commandments. Fear God and keep his commandments. And then the last part, and I shorted myself here, but we're in danger when repentance is no longer in our vocabulary. And what I find is the longer people are in Christ, the harder that word gets. It shouldn't, but it does. See, some things in life are a one-time event. You accept Jesus Christ, you're baptized. One-time event, all right? If I had to be baptized every time I sin, I'd never get out of the water. I'd just have to stay in there. You guys would just keep me going, all right? That'd just be a a continuum. That's a one-time event. It's it's like Jesus going to the cross. Baptism is where I, I identify with Jesus' death, and I come up and I identify with his resurrection. Repentance, however is an ongoing issue. And this is the hard part. And you know where it's hardest usually? With family, marriages. You know why it's so hard for me to be repentant toward my wife? I'm going to be transparent here. You ready? Because I'm always right. Isn't that the root of every marriage problem we all have? Until you figure out, I'm not always right. Or you figure out, I love my wife or I love my husband even more than I love being right. Then you can figure out what repentance is. Because the word repentance doesn't mean to say I'm sorry. That's what a lot of people think. It means to what? To turn around to go a different direction. Now, that takes time. Some things in life can't just be spun on a dime. It's a a process. But but we are called to repent, and that is an ongoing, all-day, everyday event, and that is hard because Joe constantly wants to do what Joe wants to do because Joe is always right, dang it. And God said, not so much. And so somebody says, hey, Joe, Love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. I'm like, come on, don't be giving me that. See, God, God says, no, you're a, little, you're a little off base here. And I got to repent and I got to come back. I don't know what that looks like for you. But they had already decided we are not. We don't care what God says. doesn't matter because we are not going to change. God said, fine, I can make the enemy's horses run even faster. Go ahead. That's how the story ends. But after all of that, here's what I want you to see. It's a horrible passage. It's a horrible passage about God's disobedient children. And yet, the whole thing concludes with God longs to be gracious to you. No matter how hard you've run, no matter how much you've ignored him, no matter what, how far you've gone, God's still standing there saying, What I want, what I want is to forgive you and love you. And save you. That's why Jesus came. So if you're watching online, push that button. I've decided. Palm Bay, the land, you go go up front. Uh, There's a sign right here. People, just help me. I don't know what to do. What do I do next? I just know I need help. God longs to be gracious. You know what the word grace means? To get what you don't deserve. I'll tell you what. If anybody here thinks they want what they deserve... You really don't understand life. The whole point of Jesus coming is to give us what we don't deserve. And that's forgiveness and a right relation in heaven. Ben Carson, you know him as the great neurosurgeon, ended up in in politics. But um, Ben Carson said, when I was born, I won the lottery. Now, if you know the story of Ben Carson, grew up as a poor child, I believe in Detroit, single mom, mom very difficult life, his whole life. He said, when I was born, I won the lottery. Listen to this. He said, because I was born in America and I got a shot. And secondly, because I know Jesus. He said, I won the lottery. That's pretty good. So let's go back to my original question. When it comes right down to it, And it comes right down to it. You're going to shoot the messenger or are you going to heed the warning? Those, that's the choice that we have to make today. Mark Cuban, owner of the Dallas Mavericks and I don't know, some computer stuff. I don't remember, but, um, they asked him what his goal had been in life and he said his goal was to retire by age 35 because you cannot buy more time. Well, he's exactly right. But what I would like to say to Mr. Cuban is, can you buy more time for eternity? See, you can buy time in this world. You can. By hook or crook, you can. Until God calls you. When God says it's time to go, you're going to go. But can you buy time in eternity? No. The second you die, Scripture says in Hebrews, it is appointed for man to die once and then to face the judgment. No second chance, no reincarnation. It's, uh, it's you and God face to face. Now, we're going to do communion. Uh, if you have not gotten communion, uh, you, you can get it. It's in the back uh, on the tables there. And for future reference, uh, here, Palm Bay, the land, it's always at the door uh, when you come in. It's little sealed cups, and uh, I don't know if we'll ever pass trays again. We kind of like this. Uh, it's self, self-service. It's kind of like gasoline now. Uh, you have to get your own um, uh, if you 're at home, get whatever you 've got this this memorial I just want to remind you that for hundreds of years, there were churches that didn 't have preachers didn 't have musicians didn 't have choirs didn 't even have a building, but the church would get together every week for one purpose, and that 's this: to remember Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's the only thing that mattered. Because if we don't have the singing, if we don't have the preaching, we have Jesus. And that's what we're here for. The bread represents his body, the juice, his blood. This is an alliance that you and I are making. Jesus, I trust you, I love you, and I want you to look out for me and keep me on track. That last part's tough, huh? I want you to keep me on track. So take the bread and remember the cross, Jesus' body. And then the juice that represents his blood. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we... uh, We're going to come and worship you now. We're going to sing and celebrate who you are. And as we do this, we're reminded that our alliance is not with some other nation. Our alliance is not even with our nation. Our ultimate alliance is with you. We have honor and respect for our nation, as you've asked us to, but our allegiance is to you. And help us always to put you first. And Lord, help us to pay attention to those danger signs. When we don't want to hear the word, when we're afraid of the word repentance. God, would you change our hearts? In Jesus' name.